The nail in the coffin! It's episode number 62 of The Nail. Tom Valentino coming to you from deep in the heart of Texas. I am currently holed up in a Fairfield Inn on the outskirts of Austin. We have Travis Uli back in the saddle here as we record on Thursday night. Trav, you were the uh, the traveling man last week, and other than a couple text messages, I don't think you and I have uh, talked too much in the past couple of weeks. How are you, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I was, uh, I was pretty radio silent last week, uh, sipping free beer. Uh, on the beach in Mexico, so uh, my communication was was limited last week. But back in the states, back in the snow, um, can't say I missed a whole lot, <laughs> quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, you know it, uh, it. It's it's just kind of that time of the year. You uh, you actually you did did you see the Super Bowl down there? Uh, so we. It's funny actually. So first thing we did when we got to this. We stayed at a resort. The first thing we did was like uh, get reservations at all the restaurants we were going to eat dinner at. And I could have sworn that the Super Bowl started at like eight o'clock. So uh, we got a, yeah, so we got a reservation at seven thirty. I realized that day that it started much earlier than that. But quite frankly, I didn't really care that much. So we ate dinner and then we caught the second half. I missed the first half and the halftime show, and I was able to watch the end of the game. Um, but yeah, they had like a they set up a big like projection screen on the beach and stuff. It was actually pretty cool. But um, yeah, I watched half of it. I honestly didn't really care that much though. Either way. Yeah, I mean, I know it. I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's kind of old news now. Not to be confused with fake news, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it is old news. But uh, I will say that if you only saw the second half, it, it's got to be hard for you to fathom just what an outrageous 180 that game did and just how completely different it was in the second half versus the first and, and how really in control the Falcons were there and just let it all come crashing down. On them. It yeah, was brutal. It's, it's kind of crazy looking back at it. It's funny. I started thinking and immediately, obviously after the game came on all the, uh, is Tom Brady the best quarterback ever? Blah, blah, blah stuff started. And it was one of the more like one of the more like, resounding moments to me in terms of how much like one little thing can make a difference in a game. Like um, there was that, uh, there was a holding penalty. I'm not sure if you, you might remember right after that incredible uh, Julio Jones catch near the end of the oh, game. Yeah. And they called the holding on Atlanta. So they got pushed 10 yards back, but on the play, there was also a really egregious face mask that didn't get called, which would have kept Atlanta in field goal range. And who knows what happens? And it's like, it, it, Tom, yes, Tom Brady is great, but if that play gets called uh, correctly, is Tom Brady any less great? No, no he's still I mean, just as great. You know, it's like it, it's funny how much these little things can can define people when it's completely out of their control. Um, and well, I mean, there's I mean, lots of instances like that. You know, you can make a case for the little things that fell just the right way for the Cavs in the in the finals last year yeah, too. I mean, of course. that's uh, it's it's crazy, but that's sports. Yeah, so. I mean, one one little thing really defines like the entire season for a team, and that's that's fine for a season. But when you're looking at like, um, 
guys like Brady, where they really are playing for like their overall legacy, it's like he was just as good no matter what happened in that game. He just happened to get an opportunity um, to keep doing it. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just one of those things I think that's kind of funny how people look at it. And I was talking to someone yesterday actually about um, the UConn women's thing that people are making a huge deal out of. They won 100 games. It's like we picked this arbitrary like landmark 100 games. The next game they win will be more impressive no one's going to care. <laughs> it's just, it's just totally arbitrary and random how they pick the stuff that they celebrate, I think. Yeah, what what's the next number that people go crazy for right. for UConn? I mean, right. I, and you're right. I mean, winning 101 in a row is more impressive than a hundred than 100, but <laughs> Right. It's but just not a magical reason. nice round number. So Yeah, usually uh, it's like I get it when you break a record, but in this case I think they already had the record, right? Yeah, I think so. they're the only team to get a hundred, so they must have already had whatever the consecutive win record was. Right. So they just yeah, kept adding on to it. I couldn't even tell you what the previous women's record yeah, was. I no think idea. it was UCLA for the men from oh, the seventies. I'm, I'm yeah, I would guess. I and I it's funny because I always hear stories about that UCLA team that used to lose all the time to uh, UCLA <laughs> when they had. Kareem on the freshman team and he couldn't actually play. All he did was practice and beat the upperclassmen. Yeah. Well, um, you were talking about the little things and, and how one little thing can change everything. I will tell you that last night I was in Phoenix and I went to the uh, Lakers Suns game. I had some time to kill at night and there was no one little thing that was going to save the Lakers from getting the holy hell beaten out of them by the Suns last night. They, uh, two teams going nowhere and, uh, and the Lakers, especially, I, I will say the one, um, takeaway that I had from that game is, uh, knowing that the NBA trade deadline is next week. Lou Williams, the Becca point guard for the Lakers had a very nice audition for himself, uh, trying to, uh, make his case to, become the uh, the Cavs backup point guard oh, with yeah? a trade here in the next week or so. Oh yeah, I have nice heard game that yesterday? name. He he was the only one wearing uh the uh, the forum blue and gold that uh had anything respectable okay. on his stat sheet. Yeah. Um I believe Tarek Black their center racked up five fouls in a less than 20 minutes of gameplay. Not not um, great. No, it was uh it was rough and um well, D'Angelo Russell had a, had a few nice shots, but uh, the Suns look pretty good. But yeah, I mean, for, for purposes of people listening to this podcast, um, I don't really know. I, I'm sure there's going to be a market for Lou Williams. Um, I know I've heard like the Wizards or another team in the mix in the East that uh, could use his services. And uh, I don't really know. I mean, obviously Boston's always got the assets and they, they love uh, – telling you all about it. We've been hearing about them for years and all their trade assets, but I don't know if they necessarily would need it, but you know, the Cavs definitely need a backup point guard. And uh, at least for last night, Lou Williams looked like he'd do just fine. But um, let's, uh, let, let's talk about the Cavs. Um, you know, we, we had the, the back to back here last couple nights and now we're rolling into the all-star break. And uh, you know, I, I guess best place to start is just what's your overall impression of the way the first half of the season has gone? Um, it's, it's funny. It's sort of like a, it's sort of a mixed bag. They've looked 
really good at times, really focused, really into it at times. Other times they just seem like they, you know, they're sort of going through the motions, which I think is kind of to be expected. Um, they look, they've made a couple, I think they probably made bigger splash moves this to this point than we expected them to make um, with Cal Corver and Derek Williams. I don't, I don't know about you. I didn't really expect them to make, um, make any moves like that significant. I don't know that I really thought the Derek Williams move was going to be that big, but he's looked so far, you know, like as good as a guy can look on a 10 day contract, you know, that you're trying to see if he'll fit on the team at all. Um, so I, it's been, it's been, you know, sort of a mixed bag, but I think right now they're playing pretty well. It was nice to see last night that they came out pretty focused on the, uh, second half of a back-to-back in an instance where a lot of teams probably would have rested guys and just sort of, you know, if we lose, whatever. Um, All right, I have to ask you about last night. Did you watch the game on ESPN or Fox Sports Ohio? um, I actually watched it on Fox Sports Ohio because I was actually playing, (laughs) essentially playing video games while I was watching it on my computer. Okay, you're the uh, multitasking. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's... (laughs) Yeah, sure. What he said. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, go with that. <laughs> no, I uh, been on the road here. It was nice having a, a game on ESPN, and uh, they had Dickie V and Bill Walton on the on the call. It was ESPN doing this uh, crossover where they mixed up all their college announcers and their NBA announcers, and uh, had everybody doing games that they wouldn't normally do. And uh, I, I got to tell you, I that was one of the most polarizing two hours I've seen in terms of uh, a sports broadcast on my timeline on Twitter, probably ever. Really? Uh, there were people that absolutely loved it and thought it was hilarious. And there are other people that you'd have thought it was the biggest affront to the history of the game of basketball that to have Bill Walton and, and Dickie V uh, going back and forth with, uh, in, in, I, in full character for lack of a better description. Right. The, let me ask I you, what, the um, hell about it. How, how, how the people that liked it or the people that, I guess I should say the people that didn't like it, were they, was that Cavs fans or was it just general, like general public? NBA fans, I think in general. Okay. All right. I, I, I was going to say, because he... if you're a Cavs fan and you don't like those two, like personally, I don't really care for Dickie V. He just kind of, he just wears at me. I like Bill Walton. Dickie V's shtick has, has has gone the way of uh, Chris Berman at this point to me. It's just the same 10 things every time, and I just can't do it anymore. But um, Bill Walton, I, I I love Bill Walton. I think he's hysterical. I watched him during during the uh, the national championship game for, for uh, Clemson and Bama. It was pretty hysterical how, like, out of touch he was with football. And I honestly think, like, if you if you accept it at face value for what he is, he definitely knows a lot more basketball than he knows football. But if you accept it at face value, he's pretty damn entertaining. Um, yeah. But also at the same time, if you're a Cavs fan who has a problem with those two guys, have you heard Austin Carr? <laughs> like come that's your now. guy that you listen. And I love AC. Don't get me wrong, I love him. But come on, let's let's call a spade a spade here. Like. <laughs> Let's not act like we got the cream of the crop we're used to having. Uh, you know, it, it was just interesting. It, it definitely seemed like Walton had more of an appreciation or an understanding of, like, the NBA game, and Dickie V certainly had more of a 
he was coming at it as a guy who has spent his past 25 or 30 years or whatever calling college games. And, you know, Bill Walton was on the number one NBA announcing team for, I think, NBC and then ABC for a little while. So, I mean, we kind of always look at him as being this goofy caricature wearing the tie-dye shirts now and everything. But, I mean, he was uh, an A-list broadcaster at one point, and it wasn't that long ago. So, um, anyway, it was fun. But, you know, just kind of getting back to the first half of the season, I I mean, it's the theoretical halfway point. We're actually about, what, 50-something games in now. But um, I thought Dave McBenamin of ESPN.com had a really interesting – just a, a look back at everything that has happened. And I remember like back in October thinking that like, okay, you got the monkey off your back and went in the championship and everybody for the most part there, the, the whole core of guys is signed. Um, this is going to be the year that we can kind of just relax and enjoy the regular season. And while I don't think anybody is necessarily like freaking out, like maybe fans have been doing in past years at this time, it's not been nearly as quiet as I thought it was going to be. And this is just like a quick rundown, just to put in perspective, just how many things have already happened this year. Going back to the preseason, I'm going to blow through these real quick. We had Mo Williams um, bail on the team on the first day of camp. And, you know, to go back to the beginning of our discussion, that backup point guard spot still hasn't been filled. Uh, J.R. Smith, you know, he had all sorts of uh, uh, events uh, through the first two or three months there. I mean, first he had the holdout that he had missed most of the training camp. Um, then don't forget the game in Milwaukee when he went to the bench for the Bucks and was shaking hands with Jason Terry while the game was going on. And then he did a <laughs> post-game interview wearing a ski mask. And then he goes and breaks his thumb and has been sidelined ever since. Um you know, we had the ring ceremony going on the same night as a World Series game here. Uh, losing record in January. LeBron having his uh, annual brouhaha on social media and clashing with the front office in his, uh, we need a fucking playmaker. Um, Cavs go out and get Kyle Korver. Then they lose the Birdman. Um, finally fill that roster spot with Derek Williams. And then we have another roster spot open up because I, I don't know if this happened while you were gone, but. Uh, Cavs traded away Birdman for yep. basically a protected pick that we're never going to see for, you know, basically cash purposes. Yeah, and, really quick. How the hell do you protect a second round pick? Well, the whole point of that is that it, you needed to send something tangible in return. And they didn't really, I mean, Charlotte really didn't want to give up that pick. And the Cavs really aren't interested in getting the pick. Okay. So. It, it's, so I mean, it's just a it, salary it's, dump, really. And it it's a salary a dump for the, Cavs, for the and, Cavs. Yeah, and um, there are some financial benefits that I don't entirely understand for, for Charlotte. And, you know, it's it's really – it's clearing open a roster spot here for the Cavs so that they can maybe go get somebody here at the deadline, which is a week from tonight, or, you know, maybe get one of those guys that gets bought out in the week after. So it gives them a little bit of flexibility. But, you know, they went and signed Derek Williams. He's been great. Um, you know, we got Kevin Love now. Uh, I got you. I had you break the news to me actually on Tuesday morning. Uh, I, flying into Phoenix, I turn my phone off of airplane mode on the on the runway, and first thing I see is uh, a text from you about Kevin Love. And uh, let's not forget all of the angst about uh, LeBron and, and his minutes. 
Is this the most contrived discussion uh, and talking point that we've had in a while, or is it just me? The minutes thing? Yes. I Actually, wanna... you know what? And it's not the most contrived. I'm going to get to that one next, but okay. go on. <laughs> um, I think it's a legit concern, um, especially with Love out now. I think it's going to be like... I would have just chalked it up as, and said, you know, he's probably going to get his his five five or six game break at some point and at the after the break, and then you know gear up for the playoffs. But I think with Love being out this long now, that's that's probably not possible. I think um, we saw the first indicator last night. LeBron played 33 minutes, and it was a it was a tight game in the second half. I know the score may not look like it, but um, Cavs didn't run away with that game until the end. Um, and he didn't like force LeBron on the field, on the floor. I think we're probably going to see him trim his minutes a little bit. Um, is it, is it that contrived? I don't know. You know, it's, it's one of those things that I think people are always going to think about because no matter what, every year we're going to sit around and say, you know, LeBron's not getting any younger. Um, but he doesn't really seem to be getting a whole lot older either. So, um, I don't know. Father Time is undefeated, but if anybody's going to give Father Time a run for his money, LeBron certainly he'll take seems it to, like he'll take it to seven. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, here's the thing: like, I know his turnovers have been a little bit higher than you might like this year, but I think that's really a function of him running the offense and so much, especially as he's kind of like the de facto point guard with the second unit. But, I mean, if you look at his shooting numbers, I mean, the efficiency levels he's hitting right now are basically like where he was at in Miami. It's unbelievable this year. And, you know, I just – I think he's really played such a, a complete game this year. And uh, it's just – it's a joy to watch him every night. Like, I don't know if you saw the game against Minnesota. What was that on, on Tuesday when he sent like a 25-foot bounce pass – between Andrew Wiggins' legs, and and hit somebody like in stride under the yeah, basket Derek for a Williams. layup. And Derek, yeah, Derek, he was so confused on how the ball got to him. Like he bobbled it a little bit, fumbled with it, and then he was able to finish. But it's like you watch it live, and you're sort of like, why the hell did he even think he could make that pass? And I'm like, well, he did. So I guess you can't question it. But it also, <laughs> to me, it looked like. It just looked like one of those plays that wasn't even really supposed to happen that way. But, um, yeah, the way – I'm, I'm with you. The way he's facilitated – I also – I'd have to go and look, and I could be way off on this. I may be not right at all. Um, I just feel like watching him. He's shooting the three a lot better than I can oh, remember Oh, his numbers are way recently. up. Are they? Okay. I don't, I don't have the number in front of me, but his, his shooting percentage from, from three-point range is – significantly better than it has been, I think, in either of the past two years with the Cavs. Okay. So, That's yeah. That's what it feels like. I honestly had no idea if that was actually true or not. I just, just Especially, like, it. the last couple of games, he's gotten into a real nice rhythm. Yeah. Real nice. Yeah, we finally saw Corver break out last night, too, so that was nice. Um, he's uh, He's been great. I yeah. know, like, he's the first couple games with him were a little choppy trying to figure out, and I think he kind of had to recalibrate a little bit. Cause sure the stuff that the Cavs want to run on offense is a little bit different than the ways he was to. getting the ball in Atlanta. But right. I mean, he's, I think he's like something like 52 out of 101 from three point range. I mean, really? he's basically right now. Yeah. He's basically shooting right now. 
I mean, if you're a, if you're a shooter and you go 50, 40, 90, as in like 50% overall shooting, 40% from three point range and 90% free throws, that's, that's having a really good year. And like right now with the Cavs, he's in like the high eighties on free throws. So he's basically like flirting with 50, 50, 90. That's which is pretty impressive. St- I mean, he's not he's not scoring a whole lot. It's not like he's not doing you know what Steph did last year. Steph no, but I mean he's also only playing like yeah, twenty right. twenty five minutes a game. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, and yeah, you're right, fifty two one hundred one. So he's fifty two percent from three, um, eighty eight percent at the line, fifty one percent from the field, which two-thirds of his shots are threes, so that makes sense. Um, but yeah, it, it, I'm with you. He came out kind of slow, and, and like you said, it was a little choppy. It was a little rocky at first. Just wasn't really sure what he was doing. Um, but the more they focus on him, I think LeBron's sort of making that a focus lately is is how are they going to use him so he can get comfortable um, sooner than later. And it, it seems like you know he's, he's starting to hit his stride now, so that's good to see. I think when the trade came down, we were excited, but um, weren't quite sure exactly right out the bat what we should expect, and I think he's uh starting to get to what I think we were hoping to see all along. Yeah, definitely. And and then you add Derek Williams in, and you know I, I think everybody's been pleasantly surprised by how good he's looked since you know he, he signed with the the ten day deal, and I think it, they already announced he's going to get another one. But right. um, you know I I'm I've been thinking about that one a lot just because. Yeah, you know, there are other guys that have flashed for a few games. Like I remember back in December when DeAndre Liggins first got into the starting lineup for a few games, and we were really high on him for a while, and then he kind of fizzled out, and he's really not even playing at all now. But, um, you know, I, I think the other side of the coin with Derek Williams is, like, I mean, he was a big-time college player. I mean, it's crazy to think about now, but there was a time when there was a real debate between him and Kyrie for the number one overall pick in that draft. I was on the Derek Williams side. <laughs> I'll admit it. It might take a while, but he's going to try to vindicate you yet. I, no, I don't it, know if he's ever going to get there. But. I have to throw my caveat in there. I was far more in the um, Brandon Knight, Derek Williams being better than Kyrie and Tristan. So Tristan is really one that surprised me more. Um, I thought Derek Williams, I thought Kyrie would be the best player, but I thought Derek Williams and Brandon Knight combined would be better than Kyrie and Tristan. And I have been sadly mistaken on both of those. <laughs> I was going to say, well, that didn't luckily, work out for you luckily, either. But... Right. Yeah, yeah. Glad to say so. Yeah. It's all right. I mean, it all worked out for us in the end. But, you know, I would just to say with Derek Williams, I don't really think he's ever been on a real contending team. And you put him in that situation and you put him in a limited role where he's not being counted on to play 30 minutes a game. And you also know that, I mean, he's basically fighting for his NBA job right now, mm-hmm. where if this doesn't pan out for him, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, you might be looking at Europe or China or something like that. So uh, you're certainly getting the most motivated version of him that you're going to yep. see. And uh, I, I mean, it's been exciting to watch and he certainly contributed something. Um, it's not necessarily a, a distributor type guy and, he, and he's not going to be somebody that's going to be consistently knocking down jumpers or anything, which is kind of the MO for a lot of these role players that the Cavs bring in. And, uh, you know, they still need that quote unquote playmaker. Uh, 
especially like somebody maybe at the backup point guard spot. Um, but I mean, he's he's making a contribution here. He's 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 doing things, and it's been fun to watch. And I I think you could do a lot worse than to have, you know, a twenty five year old athletic wing who can get up and down the floor and and uh, you know run to the rim a little bit. And it's it he's he's useful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, he's sort of. I think he's probably going to take some some minutes and some pressure off of uh, RJ too. I think Jefferson's minutes were probably a little higher than we wanted him to be, um, sort of by necessity. And I think he plays that same sort of role. He's a big, athletic, long wing type player. Um, he's also obviously a lot younger and got a little more, I think, probably spring in his step than than RJ has. So I think being able to give him a little more rest is probably a big positive too. But I think having him on that that second unit I think make them makes them look a lot different and I think uh, gives them a, a completely different dimension that I don't know that I expected them to find this year especially through you know just a random free uh, free agent yeah it's uh, another one for Griff man he, he yeah. keeps finding, finding these guys it's, let's just uh, be honest though as a guy like Derek Williams becomes available is it really Griffin doing it because you can pretty much just go to him and say, hey, do you want to play with LeBron? And if there's 10 other teams making offers, I don't know how much he's going to get from anyone else, but it's like, yeah, if they're all making similar offers, of course, that's that's the team that people want to go play for because they have a chance to win. It's either here or Golden State, you know? But, well, where Griff, no, where Griff gets the nod for that is, I think it was the week while you were gone, the Cavs had that, what became publicized, workout with Jordan Farmar and Mario Chalmers and Lance Stevenson and I can't remember who the fourth was off the top of my head. I thought it was just three. There were four guys total. Um, Doesn't matter, but they had an open roster spot and they had those four guys come in and a couple of them were backup, you know, point guard potential, which is something that everybody's been screaming about for months. And he did not take the, uh, didn't, didn't panic, didn't take the bait didn't go force it with any of those guys yeah. because he didn't see anything in them that made him feel like these are somebody that we, this is the guy we need to get. And sure enough, the way it panned out, Derek Williams signs. And on a day when, you know, I think if the trade deadline is the 23rd, I think I could be wrong, but it basically it lined up perfectly for him to get like two 10 day contracts and get right to the trade deadline and and then be able to evaluate your options from there. So, like, the day he signed was not an accident. And, um, you know, and there were other guys out there. And the fact that they went and, uh, you know, snatched him up was pretty pretty clutch. Right. Yeah. I'm, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they're probably my hunch, and I don't know, I have nothing really to base this off of. Um, is that they're probably waiting to see those guys that get bought out and go pick one of them to be the backup point guard. I'm, I'm guessing that they didn't like any of the guys they worked out enough to sign them, you know, and they didn't probably want to not, just fill yeah. that spot to fill it. So they're going to wait it out, play patient, and see if they can find someone. Um, I don't know. You got a preference right now? I don't. Um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, the, the whole trade deadline fascinates me, and, and you know, it's – because you got a lot of teams in the mix for that, and I think you're going to see a lot of activity next Thursday. Um, but you know, the one other thing I wanted to mention, just get kind of 
stepping it back here a little bit, when we were talking about LeBron and his minutes, um, you had mentioned him getting like a five or six game break. I don't think you're ever going to see anything like that two week sabbatical that he got a couple years ago. Uh, I think that was kind of a, a one off situation. Uh, but what I do think is you're going to see him taking uh, games off here and there. And I was kind of running through the schedule this afternoon a little bit. They've got a lot of back-to-backs after the All-Star break. They've got, I mean, you've only got about, what, 30-something games left? And they've got seven back-to-backs over the the rest of the regular season. And in five of them, the second game is on the road. And... Those are the ones that when the Cavs want to try to get their big guys some rest, that's typically where they do it. So um, I would suspect that if they're ever going to finally give him some games off, those would be the days that you're going to probably start to look at for that to happen. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I've, I, I honestly, I kind of liked the, the two week break that he took. I think it, it got sort of a weird uh, reaction at the time out of people, I think no one really knew, you know, what the hell is this all about. But I really thought it it, it was a big factor later in the season. So um, you might be right that they just you know give him games here and there. But um, I don't know. I kind of liked it when they did it. I thought it, it kept them fresh, and he looked, you know, looked like a looked like a new man when he came back from those. <laughs> there are conspiracy theorists that will tell you he was a new man. Oh, hey now. <laughs> I am not one of those conspiracy theorists. I'm just saying it's rumors and innuendo, but uh, that's that's a story for another day. But um, all right, so the, the LeBron minutes discussion is not the most contrived thing. Here is the most contrived thing. Can we stop with the bullshit about the Eastern Conference being an open race now because the Cavs have a couple of guys injured? Can I, we? I, sure, not, we can. We the collective, not you and though. not you and I. I, I um, meant like we we the collective. I, I'm seeing stories today uh, about these other teams, and and I do think there are going to be some other teams that are going to be active at the deadline. But I keep seeing this stuff like, oh, Boston's only two and a half games back uh, of the Cavs for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. How about the Celtics get out of the first fucking round before we start talking about them being an actual contender to win the Eastern Conference? Can we start there? Can we also talk about the fact that people seem to be treating Isaiah Thomas as a uh, as a more <laughs> as a better shot or sort of higher on the MVP power rankings as uh, over LeBron that's asinine like, that's I know insane. he's having a great year but come on but and I'm, I'm you know me I'm on the record um, the only reason LeBron doesn't win it every year is because people are bored of voting for him yep other than maybe last year um after he won, I think he won four in five years. I think it got to the point where it's like, yeah, if we're all being honest with ourselves, he's the MVP every year. Um, I was talking to my buddies yesterday, and and this this might be sort of a contrived, you know, long, long or uh, big picture sort of view. But is there another player like if you put how many teams if you put LeBron on that team, how many teams would? not be a finals contender. I can I think there's probably only like two or three. Like any other team you put him on that team immediately becomes a contender. Yeah. You think that's fair? I I don't think that's true about anyone else in the league. 
Yeah, I, I mean, broadly, I, I agree with your point. I mean, I, I would say that I think if you would put him on teams in the bottom of the Western Conference, that would be different just because you've got Golden State it's and San Antonio to, to deal Golden with. State, right. But Whereas like in the East, if you take him off the Cavs, then – you know, the the east then you would then you would have a case for saying the east is wide open but um in the present here and now as long as uh, lebron is putting on a cavs jersey come on <laughs> yeah and i mean lebron's he's been in the league what since 03 yeah i think this is so his this 14th is year 14th season you're telling me there's been a better player in the league 10 times or 9 times get out yeah. of here. get out of yeah. here yeah. Anyway, I, I, the, just to hammer home my point here more, um, the Cavs right now, if you look at the teams that are seated two through five in the East, the Cavs are seven and one against them. And that's uh, Boston and Washington, Toronto's in there. And who's the other one? Is it Atlanta? Atlanta's the fifth, yeah. Yeah. Boston, Washington, Toronto, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta's the only one that actually has a win over the Cavs this year. And if you think Atlanta's actually – and that was back when they still had Corver on their team. And I actually thought it was kind of funny. I saw something earlier this week about Atlanta being a buyer at the trade deadline, which seems what? very confusing to me considering yeah. they, <laughs> they unloaded Corver. No kidding. I, and yeah. they unloaded Teague at the begin before the season. Like they've right. been a seller for quite a while now. Yeah, um, it's, it's bizarre, but um, I don't know. I, I I think Washington's an interesting team. I, I don't think they're in like beating the Cavs range. I heard kind of a team, but um, that that game you didn't see the game that the, that the Cavs and, and Wizards played last week did you no no i missed oh that that. I, I, that was one of the best regular season Cavs games since lebron's returned it's i i would put the pantheon of regular season games at the san antonio game two years ago um the christmas day game this year and trying to think this this one was right there with those two huh no kidding. That good, huh? Oh, it was phenomenal. Nice. Yeah, I missed it. I tried to catch um, the... Who was it? Was it Sacramento? Who was the one LeBron hit the three against? To force overtime? Yeah. That was the Wizards game. Wizards. Oh, okay. I tried to catch the end of it. I was following it online. Um, yeah. And I tried to like catch the end of it because it was on TNT, but TNT in Mexico is not TNT. So <laughs> I ended up watching, I think, Taken. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They're speaking English, so that was cool, but they had the Spanish subtitles on it. Ah. Yeah. So, side note, he just kind of, his, his daughter, you know, goes off to Paris with her friend. He just lets the friend get hooked on drugs and die, and he just leaves her there. <laughs> Liam Neeson's kind of an asshole in that movie, if we're being honest here. Hey, you know what? He has a very particular set yeah. of skills. And yeah, looking after his daughter's friends is not on that list of very particular skills. He's also a selfish son of a bitch. Well, you know. <laughs> Fucking man. I was watching it, and I'm, I've seen the movie one other time, and I was, I'm like, he just leaves her there in like this whorehouse to die. Well, 
that's her problem. That's true. She should have <laughs> had a dad with some skills. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a rough life there. That's a shame. Okay. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. Um, anyways, but... Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens in the in the second half here. Uh, All Star break should be interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't really. I'm not. Uh, are you planning? I I I personally I like the NBA All Star Weekend. I think they do it better it. than the other sports. Um, I don't particularly. Um, I don't know. I haven't been crazy about some of the events they've had over the last couple of years. Like just, I don't know. I know people went crazy about the slam dunk contest last year, but. That was the first one in several years that I thought was really good, um, but it's fun. I like it. It's going to be interesting. They got this kid who's in the D League play, doing the dunk contest this year, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, there we go. That'll be fun. That uh, that that is the D League now. Next year it will be the G League. The G League, which is kind of funny. Daily, um, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of purists, are freaking out about that. I, per- I don't personally care. have zero problems with it. It's a yeah. developmental league and. If NASCAR can change the name of their minor league and the PGA can change the name of their lower level league uh, tour every other year, I, I don't really have a problem with a sponsor getting their name on the NBA's developmental league either. So Yeah, they're about to have sponsors on the jerseys too. Yeah, it's not been made official yet, but it uh, the word is out on the street that the Cavs are going to have the Goodyear logo on their jersey next uh, year uh, i don't mind that at all i'm okay with it i guess i thought i kind of want them to do it and i it's sort of funny because utah put a lot of pressure i felt like on everyone else because they, they gave theirs for charity and they also did that thing the other day um basically pledging that the team's not going to leave um yeah they, they, they've done a, a couple really good um this is how you want your owners to act things in the last couple in the last month or so. Um, I was yeah, sort of hoping the Cavs would do something charity related. I think that'd be cool. I don't know that, you know, you need the cash grab, but uh, I guess it's easy for me to say it's not my money. Well, they didn't make it official yet. So in theory, I don't know what Goodyear's uh, charitable arm looks like, but if they have any sort of a charity uh, or or philanthropy arm of their organization, maybe they can pull some strings there and and that would work out but i mean if you're gonna i sort of figured they'd pull something with cleveland clinic like maybe put that uh put like a velisano logo on or cleveland clinic foundation or something like that considering they already have that relationship with them yeah because the practice facility out in independence the cleveland clinic courts and yeah you know i I guess the thing for me i'm looking at it and cleveland clinic would have been a good one but um i mean if you're gonna have a sponsor on your jersey at going with a company that's been in Northeast Ohio and Akron since 1898 is not necessarily a bad way yeah. to go. That's, that's yeah, a, that's a good look. And if it's going to go corporate, you know, if it is going to be just, you know, legit full on like normal corporate advertising sponsorship, I'm fine with that. Like them or Sherwin Williams or someone like that is fine. As long as it's not like Nissan or, you know, some <laughs> random big foreign company that really has no connection to Cleveland. So, I guess it yeah. could have been a lot worse. Yeah. So, um, I, something to to keep an eye on. I've noticed as every other team has made their official announcement and had their press conference with their jersey patch sponsor. At every one of these things, they always have a jersey that they show with the patch on, saying, "This is what it's going to look like next year." And 
I have gone on the record num- a number of times saying I think the Cavs are getting all new uniforms next year. So if they do have an announcement in the next month or so, and they don't actually show the patch on a jersey, that's confirmation. I, you think? I I think that's a pretty strong tell that they're not going to be wearing those uniforms next year. But be kind of interesting to see what they do with that. Yeah, I could easily just see them like mocking it up and sort of like, you know, here's what it could look like and then still having new unis anyways. So I yeah, wouldn't really read I, too much into that if they do show a jersey too. Yeah, but just file that one away in the back of your mind there and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But that's you uh, you you can keep that one on, on the back burner. I think that might be something to watch. That's next level uni watch stuff right there. I uh, You know what? When you're killing time in a fair field in, uh, in the outskirts of uh, a town and you've got all your work stuff wrapped up, your your mind can tend to wander. You just never know what you're going to come up with. So. <laughs> I agree. you got to find uh, – see, <laughs> see if you can't get a hold of McConaughey out there. You guys can go hang and bang somewhere. Uh, we should. That would uh, that would be fantastic. Um, <laughs> maybe he can uh, get me back to my hotel room faster than the uh, – the cab service down here did uh, yeah. before we, we jumped on. I, uh, I'll send a link in for you. I was, yeah, hopefully there's no uh, bison in the road or anything to uh, stop us in our tracks. But <laughs> yeah, I, I did not realize when I, when I got into town, um, they do not have Uber and Lyft here anymore. I, I guess there was some sort of legislation that was proposed or passed or something. And about uh, drivers were going to be required to have some, extra level background checks and the companies didn't like it. So they pulled out of town and uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of left a void and the, the cab services are not really getting it done. So um, yeah, that that's uh, what grinds my gears here this evening. Yeah. Complete side note. That's, um, that's <laughs> one of those funny things like Uber and Lyft. I feel like I haven't taken an actual taxi in ages. Right. Like, it has been forever since I've had to go out, and, and it's funny, one of my worst ever taxi situations was in Austin when I went there. Uh, I was there for the um, 2006 Ohio State game, and we went to the game, and we went out to the bar after, and, you know, we were hooting and hollering. We were probably probably 8 to 10 miles from from where the stadium was and stuff. We had a hotel out there that we stayed at, and... We probably took an hour, probably over an hour, I'm going to say an hour and a half, just to hail a cab to get us home. And we didn't even end up getting a cab. We ended up going to a hotel across the street, asking the guy that drives the, like, airport shuttle. Like, we'll each give you 20 bucks. Just take us. Like, we're not staying at your hotel, but you're just sitting here doing nothing. Will you give us a ride? Because for the life of us, we cannot get a cab. He's oh, like, man. and there were six of us. So we're like, you 120 bucks, and you have to work for 20 minutes because there was no <laughs> traffic at this point. He's like, yeah, all right, let's go. So we loaded up in his van, and he drove us across town. Wow. Yeah, I, I was sitting uh, outside of CVS uh, for a solid 45 minutes tonight before I got picked up, and um, it was uh, not, uh, not the not most ideal. exciting 45 minutes of my life. But, uh, you know, yeah. I, I made it. It was good. It was all right. There you go. Yeah. So, nice. well, what uh, what else is uh, on your mind? Anything good here before we uh, shut her down? <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, 
I'm getting back in the swing. It's already the weekend. Um, yeah, I'll back be... after after now working like I hadn't worked for ten, twelve days. It is uh it is a, a, a grind getting back into it. Let me tell you. <laughs> yes, it is. It. Like I've never really been like I've never been on like a legit vacation like that before. It is hard to like get back to work afterwards. I'm dragging all week long. No more free beers on the beach for you. So no kidding. All I was doing, I'm drinking soul here, soul there. Keep them coming. Like guy, every ten minutes a guy comes by. I'm like, yeah, all right, give me another one. <laughs> Just sitting in my cabana, you know, soaking it up. It's great. I probably, if they would have let me, I would have just stayed. I never would have come back. <laughs> well, well, uh, I'm, I'm glad you did make it back because I, I don't know if this podcast goes across uh, the border, but uh, they had strong yeah. Wi-Fi. I did well, though. Although, side note, I lost all of my text messages. Really? I had. Since the day I got an iPhone, it's shit. It's been probably ten years now. Um, yeah, all of my—I'm pretty sure close to all of my texts were on there. At one point, I went. It was actually the night of the Super Bowl. I was texting a couple people, and I—I I went to bed. Woke up the next day. I had three text messages, and they had all come in at like—I don't know, like eight or nine in the morning or something that I'd gotten that day. Everything I had was gone, and I can't I can't get them back. I tried recovering them, like stuff through iTunes. It's all gone. That is bizarre. It is bizarre, and I and I'm like semi pissed about it, but at the same time I'm also like, well, did I actually need them? There's probably gonna be a handful of instances where I'll be like, man, I really wish I could go back and look for that text, but for the most part, they were never gonna get used. Well, I'm I'm glad I probably have more than a few uh, scorching hot takes in there that'll never see the light of day now. So. Oh yeah, I've got text. I'm glad <laughs> will never will never be brought back up. Thank God. <laughs> if I went back and read them, I'd be ashamed of myself probably. Oh, it's 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 a horror show. Every day when I go into Time Hop and see uh, like the things I was tweeting about the Cavs, oh, my like goodness. Don't six get or started. seven years ago, and don't get and me started. It's. Uh, it's it's an uncomfortable truth when you have to go back and look at those things and it's uh, it's not ideal it's not no not great not that good but, but no what uh, are you uh, you're what you're just doing an overnighter there in Austin and then you're back here well sort of i'm i'm flying back home on friday night and then immediately waking up on saturday morning and driving down to athens to uh, go hit up the alma mater. I've got tickets for the basketball game on Saturday afternoon. Give me my first OU home game in the convo since I graduated. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty fired up and going to hang and bang on court street that night. So I will go enjoy uh, NBA Saturday, all-star Saturday night there, uh, probably at uh, the CI or the pub or uh, one of the other uh, fine establishments on court street. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Oh boy. Taking the old lady with you. I'm not. I uh, I got uh, uh, former uh, nail guest uh, Mark Mazoros, a, a fellow former Bobcat, uh, going to uh, be making a trip with me. So two bulls. I like it. That's right. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, well, have fun. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. So uh, yeah, it'll be good. Uh, good shit. So go. all right, are we good? Uh, yeah, I'm good. All right, that uh, works for me. So. 
hey, uh, you know, the uh, everybody you know the drill, go subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play or whatever your favorite uh, podcast listening app might be. You can go stream our old episodes on our website, which is thenailpodcast.com. And uh, go like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the nail podcast. We'll uh, get back to posting some stuff up there uh, over the next week or so. And I think that will do it. So for Travis Julie, it's uh, Tom Valentino. It's been the nail in the coffin, and we will talk to you again next week. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview, and Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts.